Thank y'all for being a part of it. So think about those words, the words we just use, follower, right? What's the church word that we, we usually uh, bring up in our lingo, which is relative to not just being a Christian, but to actually following Christ, following our Lord and Savior. And then uh, uh, baptism was another one, right? The public profession of our faith. And uh, we identify with Christ through baptism because we are saved. We get in the water. It's an ordinance of Scripture. It's another one. We sanctuaries. another one, right, that we're coming into the, the place where we gather together and, and sanction and in the sanctuary and worship together. So these are just examples of church words. Some of them probably are very familiar to you if you grew up in church. Uh, if you did not, then probably they, they are not so familiar with you, and, and that's the way that it is. I grew up in a small Methodist church, and um, we grew up there. We had our own lingo because of the church that we grew up in, and then a lot of my family was in the Church of Christ, and so you had a different lingo in that one. And depending on where you are, you may or may not speak the language depending upon how you grew up and what you grew up in. And so then God called me to ministry and God calls me to the Baptist church. And the Baptist church has their own lingo as well. And I remember being serving in a Baptist church. What I did know is I knew the Lord and I knew church, but I didn't know Baptist lingo. And so when they began to talk about ladies like Annie Armstrong and Lottie Moon, I was like, are, are they here, like right now? Are they with us? You know, because I just did not know who that was. And uh, some, of those, some of those people still you may think about, I, I don't know what these words mean or who these people are. I remember when I was uh, just starting out in ministry and I would hear the name Johnny Hunt, like a name like that, and everybody would be like, oh, yeah, and all that. I'm like, I have no idea who that guy is. Like, seriously, I just did not know because I, I did not grow up within the Baptist culture. And so along with that, every group, if you're together long enough, develops an insider language. Every group. It's not just the church. It's everything that probably we were part of. It fits together long enough. And church is no different from that. And that's not a bad thing because many of the words that we use are important to understanding who we are and what we're about. They're biblical words rooted with meaning and specific to culture and understanding who we are and who God is, what we do in church. And that said, if you, if you haven't grown up in church or if you haven't been handed a Bible dictionary or church lingo dictionary, you may not have an understanding of the high-frequency words used in church. In, in our Wednesday night conversations, as of late, Pastor Keith Shoulders made a statement that stood out to me. He said, there's only one thing that people like, or there's only one thing that people dislike more than change, and that's being left out. And sometimes the words that we use, because if you're on the outside looking in, sometimes the word that we use just needs a little more clarity to bring everybody that much closer together. And it's not about throwing words out. It's not about changing everything that is all together. But it's about making words clear and making the understanding come together. As one pastor said, if it's a mist in the pulpit, it will be a fog in the pews. And so we want to bring a little bit of clarity, and that's what this series is about, the words that we use, and we won't get to cover all of them, but it will at least get us started. And our first word for this series is spiritual. Spiritual. I would ask you to hang on because next week, the next word that we'll cover is glory. That's a word that, uh, that we use often. It's used in different ways. But for this week, the word is spiritual, and that is certainly a biblical term. It's not a term that's just relative to church and Christianity, but relative to religion in general. But it's certainly a word that we use in our Christian context. Think about how often we say spiritual. Spiritual gifts, spiritual formation, spiritual disciplines, spiritual leader, spiritual warfare, spiritual foundation, spiritual growth. We say these words all the time in the church context, but are they truly understood across the board? So, as we talk about what spiritual actually is today, 
keep in mind that we are created to be spiritual beings. And that matters for this conversation, all right? Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for your spirit that guides us into all truth. I thank you, Lord, for, for the church family that came together today. Thank you, Lord, for these young students that were willing to stand before others and, and just, just have some fun to bring us into the word. God, we thank you so much for your church and the fellowship that we have here. And God, we pray that you continue to protect us. Yes, Lord, but we also pray that you would use us. We're so grateful for how you love us and, God, how you've put us together. Teach us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Spiritual refers to a part of who we are in our basic form. Now, everybody in here, and this is going to be a little bit of a Bible study and not just preaching. I said that last time and it didn't end up that way. But uh, this is going to be sort of a Bible study to discover who we are in the Scriptures according to God. And who we are are two-part people. We are material and non-material. That's every single one of us. We are material and non-material. Material in that we have a body. Now, we can buy into this rather quickly because we can look in the mirror and see a reflection. Uh, we, we know our aches and pains. We, we know that lunch is coming up and our, our stomachs start to tell us that, right, physically. We know that this is happening. We are conscious to our physical being in this moment in the here and now. Head, shoulders, knees, and toes, knees and toes, we are physical beings. We understand that. And when God formed Adam and Eve, they were made as physical beings. And because Adam and Eve were made as physical beings, we are made the same. Physical beings originally and directly created by God from, the Scripture says, from the material of the earth. The Scripture says in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, that we were formed from the dust of the ground. And and this is interesting because if you research our chemical makeup, you're going to find components of the earth, physical components of the earth like iron and potassium and calcium. These these are components of the earth because God physically formed us from the dust of the ground, the ground that he created. Now, our feelings and even some philosophies would tell us that our body is the only part of man that is important. There are, are some worldviews, some, some religions even, that would take you to the place that how you feel and what you will is, is how you should live your life. That your body actually is your master. That you give yourself over to whatever your flesh would want. And this is the way that things like addiction begins. Because we've given too much regard for our physical self and now we've given ourselves over to the inclinations of our body and we find ourselves not just indulging in things anymore, but now we're addicted. That's how it begins. You give too much homage to yourself, to your body. But it's not just addictions. This is also the way that insecurities form. See, we have now, now because of this attitude given uh, of, of the view of the body, we, we have now assigned a certain value to body image. And because of that, if we leave that as the only part that's in high regard, we are going to create ourselves into the image that we think that it should be. And when we get on social media, we start comparing ourselves to everybody and everything that we see. And when that happens, now we are not following the actual master of the universe we're following ourselves our body so because that's the standard that we live up to but scripture teaches that our bodies are not to be honored but that our bodies are to be used for honoring in first corinthians chapter 6 verse 20 the bible says to honor god with your body 
Honor God with our bodies. Speaking to the church, in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, the Bible says, Give your bodies to God because of all that he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Our physical bodies represent our life, and God's word just says that we should give our life to God as a living and holy sacrifice. Now, I want you to think about the Old Testament for just a moment. And think about how priests in the Old Testament would lay the body of an animal slain before God as an offering of worship to God. They would put the actual body on the altar. It's a very imagery, it's a very visual picture if you think about that. Now I want you to think about what we just read. Because the scripture in the New Testament tells the church that you're to give your bodies, you're to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. And then listen to this next part. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice. So we are to give what we have and lay our living body out before God in all that we have because he is worth it. And the scripture says in Romans, we're to dedicate our bodies as a living and holy sacrifice. So our bodies, our lives are not to be our God. They're to be our gift back to God. And while we're discussing this, you probably don't line up with any of the philosophy that I've just given you that some religions would say that you're to look out for you and what you want and what you want to do. None of us probably would say, that's the way that I'm, I want to go, or that's the way that I believe in. However, we for sure experience the temptation to believe in that because we know ourselves. We know the cravings and, and the desires of our flesh. 1 John chapter 2, verse 16 says, For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything that we see and pride in our achievements and possessions. Now, here's what I want you to notice as we're talking about the first part of the material makeup that we have, which is material, it is a physical body. There's temptation that comes by way of the things that we see and the things that our bodies want. Right? That's right there in the scripture. The world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything that we see. But did you notice the third one in that scripture? That the, uh, the next temptation that it mentions is pride in our achievements and possessions. Pride is not physical. Pride is non-material. It's on the inside. It's what bubbles up, and, and, and it's a sin that is from within. It is a spiritual sin. Pride is what keeps men from talking to their wives. Pride is what keeps us on the high and mighty when we need to be on the lowly so that we can actually help somebody. But we're too afraid to talk about what we deal with, and now we can't help anybody. And the reason that we don't do that is because we're just too cotton-picking prideful. And that's on the inside. That is a spiritual thing that we deal with. And so the scripture is, is teaching us that we do have temptations that war against us through our eyes and the things that we see to the things that our body wants as physical beings. We'll talk about why that is later. But also we are tempted on the inside towards things like the pride of life. Pride, again, is physical. Our pride is not physical, it's spiritual. And while the first part of our makeup is physical or material, the second part, and our church word for today, is that we are spiritual beings. That's the second part of our makeup. We are non-material on the inside. We have this inner makeup that is not physical. Now, kids, if you're in this place today, everybody that's a kid, look up, all right? 
Everybody that's a child, I want you to look up at me real quick. Because as a child, I thought this, and I'm sure that a, a lot of the adults are thinking the same thing. Kids, have you ever wondered what, it, what God looked like? You ever wondered that? You ever wondered what is the picture of God? What does God actually look like? Because I know growing up in church, if you grew up in church, then you had two pictures in that church no matter what denomination you came from. You had the guy with the praying hands folded like this and the bread beside him. Everybody, some of y'all got that in your house, and that's all right. It's a good picture. But then the other one is Jesus. There's, you see that, that dark, reflected light picture of Jesus in the olive skin. You know the picture I'm talking about? Got the hair down on his shoulders. Everybody had that picture in there. And the truth is, is that there is some truth to that picture because if you want to know what God looks like and if you want to know what God is like, period, then you need to study and follow the identity of Christ. And the reason for that is because Colossians tells us, Colossians 1.15 tells us that Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. So what does God look like? The scripture says Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. However, when we read that scripture, it st still says that God is invisible. Now, what in the world does that mean as we are thinking about the word spiritual? Well, God, in all of who he is in his nature, in all of God, in the totality of his essence, the books say, God is spirit. And spirit is not physical. Spirit is non-material. In John chapter 4, verse 24, the scripture says, For God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Those who worship God will worship in spirit from that non-material part of you on the inside, from the heart. As we're singing these songs, to worship God for real is to worship God from your heart. And so God is spirit, the scripture says. God is spirit defines the nature of God. So when you think about what God looks like, yes, Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. But the scripture also teaches us that the totality of who God is, period, God is spirit. Now hang in there and go to Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. And the scripture says, So God created human beings... In his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God created human beings in his own image, and he created them. And male and female, he created them. Now, it's worth noting as we look at that scripture, that in the beginning, God assigned gender. That's up for God to assign. It's, it's right there in Genesis at the very beginning of the Bible. It's also worth noting that no race was given superior rank. I think it's important for us to say that as I'm looking at you and you look at me and we look a lot like each other, I think it's important for our church to get on the same page and know that when the scripture says in Genesis 1:27, God created human beings, which is all-encompassing, and it says that he created all human beings in his own image. And I would point out, if you're offended by us bringing that up from the pulpit, then you need to check your heart on that. Because the only, only response we should have to that when, in a time like this is Amen. To know who we are as created by God. Now, get back, to, get back to the teaching part, all right? If we were created in God's image, and we also just said that God is invisible, then what in the world does that mean? Again, give attention to John chapter 4, verse 24. For God is spirit. Therefore, if God is spirit and we were created in his image, we were created to be spiritual beings. 
This means we have a physical existence, yes, but we also have a spiritual one. This is the non-material part of us on the inside that has a heart, a conscience, a will. This is where we have, this is what the Bible refers to as, as, as the moral nature of right and wrong, intellect to make choices. Why do we have that? Because we were created in the image of God, and that's what God does. God sets the standard. God decides what's right and wrong. God defines what is moral and immoral. And the reason we have that going on within us is because God created us in his own image. And so we are spiritual beings. This means that, that we are, are conscious to things that God is. This is why God's word speaks in the scripture of the heart, of the mind, of the will. In Luke chapter 10, verse 27, you know this verse. The scripture says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. What are those things? Those are spiritual characteristics, non-material things on the inside that God has given us to work out. Non-material characteristics that come from God. Now here's why this matters. God made man unlike any other part of creation. Now I know some people want to assign spiritual things to trees and animals and, and different things. I know some of y'all don't even want to have that conversation, but God made man unlike any other part of his creation. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, that God breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. Now, I can tell you, seriously, if you're studying the Bible, reading the Bible for yourself or for others, the best two questions you can start out, in my opinion, the best two questions you can start out with when you're studying the Bible, if you want to understand it for real, are these two questions. What does that teach us about God, and what does that teach us about man? We do this with our kids. When we read passages of Scripture, we'll get done, and we'll ask the question, what does this teach us about God? What does it teach us about man? Now, you've got to beware of this, because if there are kids that are in church all the time, and you read a passage of Scripture like this, it says, God breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and man became a living person, and you ask them, what does that teach us about God? You're going to get this kind of answer. He's awesome. Well, yeah, he, he's awesome. You know? But what does that teach us about God? He's almighty. So y'all speak in church words. Our kids do it too. They hear the words that we talk about with God and they begin to say the same things. But look in this passage. What does this scripture teach us about God? He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils and the man became a living person. He is over life. He is the giver of life. He determines what life looks like. Because we are made in his image with a non-material makeup, we can exercise decisions and move towards right and wrong as he's given us to do. But it's more than that. Because we are spiritual beings, we are God conscious. That means we are capable of communion with God. We know that he is and we are capable of communion with God because we are spiritual beings. Have you ever thought about why we even ask the question, why does God exist? Why even ask it? Why have there been all these books written about it? Why does man create their own religions? Because they are thinking within themselves, he has to be there. And the reason is because we are made as spiritual beings and we are conscious to God that he exists and that we can have relationship and communion with God. This is also the same reason why within bad enough circumstances, those who are unbelievers call upon God to help them and they don't even know who he is. It's because on the inside, we know that he is. 
And we were structurally engineered on the inside to know that God is there. This is why believers don't think it's silly to close our eyes and pray. This is why we don't think it's silly to thank God for our food at lunchtime. This is why we don't think it's silly to raise our hands in worship. Because we know on the inside that he is there. And we even further know that he's made a way for us to be right with him. To experience relationship with him. For him to know us and us to know him. That's why we don't think any of this stuff silly. Because he is. And here's another thing. God is eternal. Which is why we who are God conscious give thought to eternal life. Every civilization that's ever been has thought about God and thought about eternity. And then, based on religion, they begin to think of ways that they can get to God. But here's the good news about Christianity. God gets to us. But this is, this is why people groups all over the world think about eternity, what's past this life, because we value life. We value life so much that we want it for eternity. And God gives that. He just gives it on his terms. But we think about this eternal life, this eternal perspective. What's next? Davis and I were headed out to a family gathering yesterday. We went ahead of, of Brittany and Noel, and so we're headed out to our family gathering. Man, it's just boys riding in the truck right on 4th of July. So we're pumping a lot of music. We got the windows rolled down and all these things, and he's rolling his eyes, but I'm having a good time. And so we, you know, I like, I like all kinds of music, and, and so we're headed out there. And there was a country song that came on, and apparently it's a new song by Kenny Chesney. And I've not heard it but this one time, but it said... Better get to living because all we got is the here and now. That's bad doctrine, bro. Because that's not true. Can I tell y'all, you need to beware of country song Christianity. (laughs) Country songs are good to listen to on the 4th of July with the windows rolled down, but they do not lead my doctrine. And you better not let them lead yours either. Because it's bad a lot of times. So know what you believe so you can sing songs and spit out the bones. All right? Bad doctrine. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 11 says, We were made with eternity planted in our hearts. Which means that we long for eternity because on the inside, God made it that way. He planted that in here. That's why we think about heaven and why we don't want to go to hell. This is why we think about these things. And again, now some of you are not going to like this. I realize that. But our dogs and our cats are conscious to themselves in the world, but they are not creating evangelism tracks and handing them out at the kennel and through the neighborhoods with the pets. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry because my mother, I think, is the same way, and she would love for it, you know. But, but the truth is of the Scripture is that there's no spiritual or eternal dimension to them because they, they were not made in the same way that we were made. We, we were formed with God breathing the breath of life into us for us to be spiritual beings. So let's recap. We're going to bring this to a close, <laughs> some kind of close. Let's, let's, let's keep going. Man is a physical being created directly by God. We are conscious to ourselves in the world. And man is a spiritual being, and we were created by directly by God Conscious to God and conscious to morality. Meaning if we know that God is holy, we know that we are not real quick. And so this, this is the consciousness that we have as physical and spiritual beings. Now as we bring this thing to a close, I want to talk about three things. Good news, bad news, good news. Alright? Good news, bad news, good news. Good news is, is that we are spiritual beings. 
We are conscious to God. We are designed to relate to Him. The bad news is, is that the, it has three letters, and I think you're familiar with them, but this is found within the nature of every human being. Those three letters are S-I-N, sin. Sin separates. It gets in the way of us knowing God. We are missing out on who He is fully because we know that God's holy and we're not. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 17, the Bible says, God told Adam, eat all you want. So what he said in Genesis 2, 17, you eat from every tree that you can except for the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And if you eat its fruit, you're sure to die. Now, again, what does this tell us about God? And what does this tell us about man? That God gets to decide what the standard is because he's God. And so if God says you can eat of every fruit of the tree you want to, then you can. But if he says don't touch that one, that's what he means. See, he is, he is all authority. This is who God is. So we were meant to live in this relationship with God and fellowship with our Creator. But you know how the story goes. There's seeds of doubt planted, and then there's selfish desires here and there, and all of a sudden sin enters into the world, and everything is changed. When sin comes into the world, there's limitation and there's separation And not just for Adam and Eve, but for their descendants. We have inherited a sin nature by Father Adam. Meaning all of us that are conscious to God, we are then limited and separated because of sin. And everybody's got it. From the pastor to the prisoner and everybody in between. We all are flawed. There are none good, the Bible says. No, not one. Not one of us. And it gets even worse than that when we're talking about bad news because the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 59 verse 2 that our sins have cut us off from God. So God made us special and to have spiritual life. But when sin entered in, it stopped that relationship with God. Stopped it quick in Genesis. The scripture says in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 that we were dead in our sins. Dead. The Bible says that teaches we are condemned. That's what it says. But can I give y'all some good news? Y'all didn't come here for bad news, did you? I'm going to give y'all some good news. Thursday, I'll take that back. Wednesday, I got a text message from a guy that said, can I come and talk to you? Absolutely. Thursday, a player that played football at East Limestone got my number, contacted me, said, man, I need to come talk to you. He said, come on. I said, what's going on? He said, man, I, I just know I'm about to go off to college. And I know something's missing in my life. He said, I know when I come into church, he said, sometimes I've been to y'all's church sometimes. And every time I'm, I'm, I'm there, I hear what you're saying. I see that you're singing. I realize all this stuff. He said, but there's just something missing. I'm not connecting. I said, well, man, it's because it'd be like if, if I'm sitting around with a bunch of my buddies and another one of my buddies walks in and we're all talking to him and bringing up old stories and you enjoy being there, but you don't know him. And because you don't know him, you can't experience the same thing that we're experiencing. And I told him very simply, very seriously, the reason why you don't know him and the reason why you don't know God is because of sin. Sin separates. And I had it, and you have it, and as long as you remain in it, you're going to be separated from God, limited to know who he really is. That young man walked into my office, a dead man, on Thursday, and he walked out in life because of good news. Y'all know what I did yesterday before Davis and I were on the way? Y'all know what I did yesterday before I got to my family's? I went over to his house and we baptized him in front of all his family. Come come on. Man, come on. He walks in a dead man 
And in the next hours, he's alive to God. And now there's no block anymore because he's a child of God. He was cut off from God. He had the capability because he was a spiritual being. But sin suppressed that. But because God is good and he made a way for all of us to know him, now we can experience life abundant knowing who God is. Man, yesterday was awesome. And that sucker's a big old dude. Tied in, got in that water. And I was like, man, we got to have somebody else. So a friend of his got in on the other side of him, and there's a picture of me, and I'm like doing, pulling him up to get him out of the water. Man, it's, what an unbelievable day. And in all of this, in all of this virus and all of this unrest, you best believe God is still working. You better know God is working. So we need to be prepared to work for him. So with that good news, the scripture says in Romans chapter 8, Verses 1 and 2. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Now, a couple of y'all heard that. And some of you are thinking on it. But you should know that if you are in Christ... There is no condemnation. So every time that band starts playing, we know why we're about to lift our voices. Because we will bust heaven wide open. Because not only has God made us physically and given us the capability to connect with him spiritually, he's taken away all the barriers by sending his pure and perfect son. Jesus died a sacrificial death, and God saves through the system of sacrifice. So there's no amount of work that we can do. We have to just put all our faith and belief and turn from our sin and turn to God. Because God has made a way through Jesus. And so because if you are in Christ, there is no condemnation. And then the scripture says, because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power. Man, it's not just that we're free from the penalty of sin. You're free from the power of sin. When you believe God's way of making you right with himself, he will free you up so that you can experience all that you've always been missing. You, you know this. Christians, when we skip up in here with sin in our life, there's a block between us and God, isn't it? And that doesn't, you don't lose your relationship with God, you lose fellowship, much like if you're spouse in here and, and y'all at odds and there's some separation between you. So there needs to be some confession and reuniting and it feels so good. So there needs to be that. That's a song reference that one generation got and another didn't. So there needs to be that. And that's why we have confession and forgiveness. But if you have always remained in your sin and you're worried about heaven, you're worried about hell, and if you know you've never dealt with your sin, God's made a way for you to do that. It's just confess that you're a sinner and call on in the best way that you know how, placing your faith and trust in Jesus Christ to cover you by his blood. Romans chapter 6, verse 23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God eternal, or is life eternal through Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, not only will you be able to relate to God once when you are cleared of that record, but you'll be able to relate to God for all time. And he keeps that because he gives it, he maintains it. And thank God for that. If you call upon the name of the Lord, you've got spiritual life. And if you've got spiritual life, there should be spiritual progress. Amen? Any relationship that is together over time should get better. Should get better. And so just as it is with any human relationship, it should get better in that spiritual relationship with God. This is why we use words like spiritual formation, 
spiritual foundation, spiritual growth. Because your spiritual life with God, because we can know him and because we have cleared of guilt, can now get better and better and better. So what's the key to that, though? The key to spiritual life improvement is learning and letting. Learning the word of God and letting God have his way. That's how it gets better, man. That, that's how spiritual life gets better. The scripture says, I want you to notice this. The scripture says in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 and 13, for the word of God, this Bible, for the word of God is alive and powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between what? Soul and spirit. You read this physical word on this paper right here, and it'll cut inside of you like a knife. It'll get to the heart of who you are. That's how God and his spirit come together. God changes us from the inside out. This is why no lawmaker can do it. This is why only God can help. Because we are seeking one that can't put things on physical paper, but that one who is spiritual and he can work on the inside of us. You must believe that. God's word works together with his spirit to change us. And this is why we must put our hope for a better day in the Lord. It's time to respond now. That's all I got. It's time to respond. It's time to think about who you are and who God is. If for the first time in your life you realize that you are created to know God and that you have sin that stands in the way, all you've got to do is right where you are. Music plays, you drop your head and you pray to God the best way you know how. You say, God, save me. Forgive me. I'm placing all of my trust and my faith in you, O Lord. I believe you, Jesus, are the way. You, you confess your faith in Jesus Christ. Just for the first time, it's made sense in your heart and mind. But, but maybe you know the Lord, and it's time to start walking with him in that forward movement way. And we can help with all those things. So this is the way that you can respond. Today, if you don't know how church goes, and you don't know me, and you don't even want to talk to me right now, all you got to do is text LLBC to 31996. LLBC to 31996. You can text that, fill out the form, we'll contact you. We can take it from there. You can call us tomorrow. You can email us today. Or, thank God, you can walk this aisle. You can walk this aisle. I'm just going to tell you this for the purpose of practicality. We have our mask on. If you're like, I don't want to get in there in your face, that's fine. I'll put this thing on. Our pastors here have theirs. We can talk to you. We'd love to receive you. And all you have to do is just say, I need to be saved. I need to join the church. I need to be baptized. Whatever it is, we want to help you. Amen? Stand to your feet. Please. Let's pray together. This altar is open. Please be respectful of others as they come to pray. Lord, we thank you so much. Thank you, Lord, for your truth. We're thankful that we're created this way, Lord, that we are created to know you. Lord, but we also know who we are and who we're not. God, you've closed that gap. By the cross, Lord, you have given of yourself, sent your son die for us so Lord that, that requires it deserves a response and so I pray today Lord if anybody needs to seriously turn from their sin and simply turn to you I pray oh God that they do that today and not wait Lord we thank you so much again for the opportunity to come to you I pray oh Lord across the building as we have different needs as people are considering coming to the altar or praying right now, there I, I pray oh Lord that, that you continue to work in their heart and that, God, they would not wait another minute, that they would just step out and respond to you. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.